Hi, Sherry here. I just wanted to drop in and tell you that I hope you enjoy this episode so much. I really enjoyed having this conversation with Natalia. Just so you know, she dropped a brand new song this week. Go check it out. It's called Shine. You can find it on Spotify. It's really, really beautiful and just shows what an incredibly talented musician and singer this woman is. Once again, the new song is called Shine, and it is on Spotify. Stories. We all have them. They're the compilation of your journey from where you started to how you ended up where you are today. Titanium Blonde is all about sharing women's stories. The good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, and everything in between all of that. I'm Sherry Eckert. This is Titanium Blonde Talks. And I'd like to know, what's your story? Thanks to our sponsor for today's episode, Steph Gongora. Steph has written a variety of movement books available in both electronic format and paperback copies. For those just beginning, they may find inspiration in starting a yoga practice, a 350 plus page guide full of yoga basics, sequencing, flows, and even practice calendars. More intermediate practitioners looking to delve deeper can check out the Full Body Backbends book, or the handstand manual, both chock full of drills, warm-ups, alignment details, and more. The handstand book is also available in Spanish. Finally, for anyone looking to find their float, the handstand pressing book has all the tools to get those feet off the ground. Find out more info and peruse sample pages on www.casa-colibri.com slash shop. Thanks for your support, Steph, for Titanium Blonde Talks. This morning joining me is Natalia. She is someone that I met in a group put together by Pat Bailey, the Hell Yes Portal Group. And she has since moved into the Academy section. She is a wonderful singer and has some of the best hair I've ever seen. Thank you for joining me this morning, Natalia. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Would you tell everyone a little bit more about you? Yeah, my artist name is Natalia Sol. I am from Argentina. Been an artist my entire life. I'm a singer. I am. I do music. Uh, yeah, ever since I can remember. I had a little bit of a science background because I was in denial at a point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a nerd. I love science too. I just can't, I can see myself in the lab every day. So I switched to music and then I never, I never looked back. So how long have you been in the States? Uh, it's going to be five years in actually five years. It was August. And so that's a big culture switch, isn't it? It was, it was hard <laughs> like to be, <laughs> And as you can see, um, what you see is what you get. I can't even try to fit in or be something that I'm not. So I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. So forgive me it, for that. It's, that. That's okay. Yeah, it was a big cultural shock. The first three months were rough, really rough. Mm, I was crying most of the time. It doesn't seem that it's going to be that different. But then you, the human relationships, the human connections are different. You would think that maybe, okay, but... Maybe with the Latino community, uh, we would have some more connection. But it was hard because, like, I moved into a, into an area where there wasn't much people, and like, it took me two years to actually have a friend. <laughs> oh, okay. So I was going to ask about that. It's just you know, how did you sort of feel like you navigated into your community and made connections? And 
So it felt like home since the moment I touched American soil. I wasn't coming to stay. It was just a six months experience to learn about a music business and stuff that I did not know about. And of course, to learn more about songwriting and all that stuff because most of the music I always loved comes from the States. So it's been it's been great and everything, you know me, like <laughs> everything is like the universe and aligned, but I'm also a little control freak that, you know, needs to have everything planned and shit. And, <laughs> oh, sorry, I said shit. <laughs> you, you know what? You can use all the salty language you like oh, because awesome. I do. So, <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a really, I was really high. I don't know what, how to express it, but like everybody at the airport was so amazing. Like that, I would call them like my, my angels. Cause like I would pop out with a doubt in my mind and somebody would just show up and say, Hey, do you need help with this? And this was what I was thinking about. So I knew it was, it was meant to be for me to be here. I did not know I was going to stay. And I guess, I guess that was rough. Uh, that was a rough part because when you're not sorry, this is Rupert. <laughs> She's my sidekick. Hello. Uh, <laughs> say hi. She's like, why are you not paying attention to me? So yeah, there's a lot of things that go into moving into a different country that you really have to think through if you if you want to ease the the change. Like like what are the things that there are part of your um how do you say it? That that kind of, kind of make you that are part of that inner little thing that you are that you don't share with anybody else like your soul the things that you feed yourself right like for me it was books and and a lot of other little stuff that i left back home so it was kind of rough because like it's like it's like when you transplant literally plant and it was um it was a, it was a journey but i i my music kept me going and and then well instagram showed up to save the day <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Instagram. So how long have you been on Instagram? The um, Five years. Okay, so the whole time you've been here. Yeah, five, six, actually. I started doing Instagram back in Argentina before moving. Do you have any family in the States at all? Or is no. everybody still back in? Okay, okay. No, no. <laughs> well, yeah, Rupert. <laughs> <laughs> is there, what else do you do besides your music? I mean, I know that you you do some yoga. Well, I recently switched to music full time, and recently, as in a week ago. <laughs> but yeah, I do different. I have different projects because I'm. I wouldn't say I'm ADHD, ADHD, whatever. But my thought process is weird, so I have to have many things, creative things. I make furniture out of uh, trash or like pallets and stuff like that. Awesome. Um, just because I, I like to, I guess whatever created endeavor I have, it has to have the sense of redemption to it. Okay. So I mean, I like to, whatever it is, like an idea for a song or, or furniture or maybe some painting or whatever that I might be doing, or even yoga, I like to work it around whatever is allegedly wrong about it for example okay. if if the palette is like it has a like a twisted part or broken then i'm gonna work the whole thing around it because i want that to become the most beautiful part of it that's a really great perspective to be able to work from i mean yeah i don't i i, I guess it was a more of a discovery that the more you do the more you start creating the more you di dive into it all of a sudden you can you kind of see what's the 
what's the little thing that holds it all together? Because I'm a fucking mess. I mean, like, <laughs> what the <laughs> what does this shit has to do with this other? You know, like, and I'm of course my I'm very like mind first and i'm trying to make sense out of everything which is like so counterproductive when you're creative it's like yes it is <clears throat> you're never gonna make sense of anything but eventually you do <laughs> it may not make sense to anybody else but you and that's all that really matters is what makes sense to you and what speaks to your heart tell me a little bit more about your music so i know through listening to some of the pieces that you've done, you kind of have a varied background with your music. Um, yes, that's another thing. <laughs> I got, I started doing my my solo stuff, which is more soulful and funk. But yeah, back in Argentina, it was more of a discovery thing. So I developed my sound here when I found like other people, other kids to play, you know, like the right keyboard <laughs> player, the right, you know. Right. Which is like super fun, but it took time. And I feel like that's, again, my voice is not what, what you would say the perfect voice or the men, although I could, my background was like opera singing, but oh, then, wow. but then that's not what touched people. What touches people is the soulful side. And that is kind of the raspy husky thing about it, which is what's wrong. So oh. we build the sound around that. And I think like, that that was the fun part but then then i got inspired by a yogini beautiful yogini and an instagram i discovered mantra practice and i just fell in love with it and i thought it would be great to just do something for the sake of doing it because that's i mean we all have to keep a roof over our heads and food in our bellies correct but we but as a creative it's kind of hard i mean you need, you need to balance that so yoga came in and saved the day because I don't have to be both the creative and the business person and start thinking about marketing and, you know, like, who is who is this song to? It was just more of a, hey, I have this thing. <laughs> I had this idea. I created it. And it was inspired by a beautiful person that does her art with her body. Have it. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't care if you like it or not, which is kind of cool. I mean, that's the thing is being able to get to the point, especially as a creative person to, it, it, it takes a lot of guts to be able to put your work out there. I make jewelry. And mm -hmm. so there are times when I get a little vulnerable about putting it out there. Will anyone like it? Will anyone buy it? Will anybody feel the con connection that I feel when I create it. So I'm sure that your music is, is sort of the same way, is that there can be times when you feel really strong and there are other times where maybe there's a little bit more vulnerability involved in all of that. I've, I mean, the whole writing, if you're not vulnerable when you're writing a song, you might as well just don't write it. But <laughs> even if it's just a funny song, because right. what makes you laugh is not the same that makes other people laugh. And when you're in a room with other professional writers, you might get this like nervousness of like, oh my gosh, shit, they're gonna think I'm stupid if I say this is funny, you know? So you have to get over that shit, otherwise you're never gonna write anything. So the vulnerability part comes in there, but then when it's time to share, it's subjective. There's gonna be a, as many opinions as there as there's people out there. And as long as I like it and the people that I'm with likes it and we believe in it, it's fine. Whoever doesn't like it, 
there's a, uh, I don't know, thousands of other artists that they can go listen to. Well, I was going to say, I mean, there's there's plenty of options for somebody to go somewhere else if they choose to not want to follow your art, which is fine. I mean, it, it's I, I truly believe that, like you said, if it doesn't come from the heart, if it doesn't resonate deeply with you, whatever it is that you're doing, those are the things that are just going to kind of float out into the universe and not really go anywhere. I think that when you come from a place of vulnerability, that it, that's what attracts other people back into your yeah. realm or into your tribe. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was a, everything that I do is kind of like intertwined. And I guess that's, that's the creative thought process that I was talking about. It's like 20 different scenarios running at the same time inside of my mind. And then I, I blurred out something and people looked at me. But... <laughs> I swear, I swear, make uh, because I'm growing. It's like everything that I do is like I am the masterpiece, and I feel like everybody should be like that. Artists are artists all the time. It's not you don't stop being an attorney just because you go home, but you do stop working sometimes. Right, right. <laughs> but when you're an artist, it's like you're a child. You just can't. <laughs> it's like you walk around. And you're like oh my God, look at that shiny thing over there. And then you start imagining stories and dialogues and things inside of your mind that for other people that is like, she's insane. But when you get used to your own self and you and you start sharing and realize that other creative people is like that, you're like, okay, I'm okay. Uh, and you, well, and you are okay. I mean, I think that that's what, as a creative person, you need to be able to be inspired and you can be inspired by something that makes no sense to anybody else, but to you, it speaks to your heart. It speaks to the, the childlike quality in you, whatever it is that inspires you to go ahead and then create whatever it is you're doing is, you know, that's something that you have to singularly own. I, well, I don't think that anybody should have to justify or explain what lights them up, what inspires them, what makes I, them smile. I guess like there, there's always this, if, I mean, if we're going to stay with the childlike spirit stuff, it, there's a fine line between being childlike and childish. Yes. And when you're in childish world, that's when the crippling self-doubt comes around. That's when the fears come come around. That's when, uh, you know, pain, sorrow. And it's it's not, you're never in one side. You're, you're flowing. It's, you're, it's like you're going in cycles and it's all right. You revisit the same demons over and over again because you change and so you get a different outlook out of it every time you come back it's like reading a book when you're 15 and then reading it when you're 35 it's different there's a yeah. big difference you get a take yes. out of it i feel like the best like tying it back <laughs> with where we started like what helped me the most to get over that thing is first of all developing an active conversation with myself we all talk with ourselves. Oh, yes. <laughs> the running dialogue. I hear voices too. It's okay. We all do. What you have to do is like, at, at one point you have to sit down and realize I'm in charge of this, of this crowd here in my mind. Yeah. So I'm going to start taking charge of it. And it's hard. It really is hard. But if you start like paying attention and seeing the patterns and, and you can stop right before it, it spirals into something that is crippling, then you can eventually start getting control over those things until you don't even have to control it anymore. Because right. like, I mean, 
I feel like people tends to make some words evil. I love words. That's that's basically what I work with. And I don't feel like we should say words or emotions are good or bad. They're words. And they hold an intention and power regard, you know, like that is attached to who we are, how we work, how we grew up. Control tends to be something mostly in the spiritual community that is like frowned upon. And um yeah. It's not necessarily bad <laughs> in certain situations. There are things that you can't control and you must control because you are, you were given the, the task of controlling it. For example, your own mind. Right. Uh, can, yeah. I, uh, can I control my creativity and the ideas? No, I can't. But I can't control my mind chatter. I can't control the fact that I can clean it up so that the ideas come through and when i realize that i realize that nothing is really mine so my ideas are not really mine they're coming from somewhere i i hear it and i just let it let it pass through and that took the pressure out of me and it also helped uh move along and push forward in order to actually put those things out in the world out in, out in the internet because if it if this is really not mine i'm just a conduit to it Uh, who the fuck am I to keep it to myself? It was That's never meant to be great. for me. You're a channel. Right. And it's the same with art, like jewelry or painting. It's like It was never meant to be for you. Just because it went through you and you gave shape to it, it doesn't mean it's yours. It belongs to whoever it belongs to. You can't be the one blocking it. So uh, that changed a lot. Because like, then is people judging that thing is not people judging me. It's just people deciding if that speaks to them or not. Well, and that's the thing I always think about too, especially like, boy, talking about Instagram <laughs> and some of the patterns of behavior. And it seems like, and maybe you've noticed this trend too, that like in the last 18 months or so that there have just been so many more angry people who post mean comments just to be mean, or I, I don't even understand their motivation. But it's just interesting. I, I've had many people when I've had places where I've sold my jewelry come up and say, you know, well, I could make this. And my attitude is great. Go out and make it. You yeah. go out and do your thing. Because I sometimes see jewelry and think the same thing. You know, I'm not, I, I can make that or I can make a version of that that speaks to me. And, you know, I always try to remember that those comments are more a reflection on the person that's doing the comment and not a reflection on who I am as a mm -hmm. person or me. But sometimes every once in a while, it, it still makes the back, the hair on the back of my neck stand up. And I, you know, I go into you know, that mode of, but, yes. um, and so that's, you know, that's when I had to take a step back and say, you know, Sherry, there's something here that's triggering it. Why is this triggering it for you? What is it that you are maybe clinging to too tightly that you need to kind of relax your grip on? It's, it's just always interesting to me that when people, like you said, art, music, I mean, all of that is very subjective. Not everybody views it, hears it, absorbs it the same way as somebody else. And so I do like you, that's a great description about you talking about you're the conduit through, you know, how the art then gets presented out into the world. I never really thought of it that way. That That's a very interesting perspective and a great way to look at it. That that's that's incredibly helpful. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, you said something that that hit home. You said that when you get the reaction, that you did something that it, that it took me so much to develop, which is you stopped. 
you didn't react. You stopped and asked yourself a question, which is well, that great. That took me a while to develop. <laughs> <laughs> which is great. Not only, not only because it is great as as a as a set skill for as a human, but it's also I, I don't know maybe because I'm an artist, everything is creative, but it's very creative. Asking yourself questions is 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 something. That, Curiosity needs to stay there forever if you're going to be an artist, right? Yes, yes. And uh, those little questions that we do to ourselves, that we make to ourselves, are, I feel, are those creative decisions because those are the key moments in which we decide who am I going to be right yeah. now? Yeah. And those who am I going to be right now are become the who I am in the long run, right? Right. There's sometimes people that, that, that shows up through our art that, reflects back to us our insecurities and and our weak spots and this just happened like i realized one day that my conversations or most of the things that i'm getting ready for right there's going to be haters there's going to be this blah 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 never happens it's the truth oh, okay. you know like it, it really it really never happens most of the things that we're thinking about and even when somebody comes comes to us and says you know what i really think what you just did is awful <laughs> and you're like thanks for your input no, moving on now like do i need to do i need to say anything right now oh, you really yeah. you know what you really don't if you're coming from a from a bruised ego place not from an ego place but from a bruised ego place you're probably going to think that he's attacking you personally but he just doesn't like your song yeah and for some reason he felt or she felt like telling you that that those are the moments where you can be the authority of your own life and say i'm not going to let this in because in the end, you don't really know what the intention of that was. You can assume they were trying to hurt you. You can assume he's jealous or whatever, or you can assume a lot of things because, you know, sometimes people is shitty. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is still your own conversation with yourself. It is still your own judgment over what the other person did. Whereas if you just take it as what it is, somebody blowing air out in the ear, <laughs> either. <laughs> And don't make any judgments behind it. It's like, okay. And it, and I feel like you can reach a balance in which if criticism is not going to bring me down, then praise is not going to bring me so up high that I, that I lose perspective either. So then you can balance the whole thing and stay. I don't know. I feel like that's when you reach that in the zone moment throughout right. life. Right. Because you you become your own authority, and that happens when you start asking yourself these questions, like, or even afterwards, like, we're humans, and I don't know, like, sometimes they come and tell you shitty shit when you're having your period, <laughs> and you didn't sleep for three days, and, if, and your first response is, "Hey, asshole." <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Or something even meaner, like you attack yeah. back, and sometimes people was wasn't trying to attack you to attack you, and so afterwards, like you, you're like, did I really want to be that person? <laughs> it it's not it's not like a lost battle. It's like we're constantly, constantly evolving if we allow ourselves to do that. And I Correct. feel like creativity has to go hand in hand with spirituality. How do you say like personal growth? Because if you're if you're not growing and evolving, then I don't. I feel like growing and evolving is part of the of the creative life. Your art or whatever it is that you do has to has to evolve with you and change. If you don't change, then what's the point? 
because like artists are the ones that allow other people that are not artists to see the world from a different perspective. Ah, there, yeah. No, well, that's and the, other, the other thing too is that as people, if we're not growing and expanding as we go along the path of life, then there's something that we haven't dealt with, either something from our past or something from our child, you know, whatever it is. I, I, when I meet people who are so resistant to change, so resistant to thinking outside of their own little box of their own little world, it's like, why do you want to, for me, like you, I have a million things going on at once. I have to have conversations regularly with my inner, <laughs> inner, my inner mean girl to tell her to shut the fuck up. It, it's those things of, for me, I'm always curious about people, about where they came from, how they ended up where they are, what their stories are, why they think the things that they do. That's what I feel like right now in our country is kind of missing is that open dialogue without passing judgment without, you know, making someone feel wrong or bad or any of that is to be able to have a conversation and hear, have them actually speak about what's important to them, what matters to them, why maybe that's important to them. And they may not think the same way that you do. They're going to probably not think the same things are important, but it doesn't mean that it isn't valuable. And it doesn't mean that you can't find a common ground to meet somewhere in the middle. And I feel like we're losing that on or not i mean it's not mandatory that we have to meet anywhere correct but it is mandatory to respect each other correct i, I feel correct. language well like i said i'm obsessed with words but language is such a funny thing because i think that is the material that we use to build the mind where everything is created created for me right <laughs> But it's like those are the colors, right? The our right. our paintings for 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 our mind. And um, there is one tricky thing, and I feel like I don't own a TV, I don't watch TV because it messes up my mind. Like some people can watch TV and go to bed and nothing happen. I just it feeds all of this like it's sensory overload for you. Yeah, but I had a very strange experience, like in which like I kind of saw the mind. And I, and I heard this like out of body voice saying, you have to fix the mind because otherwise you're going to cause disease or whatever. And it, and I would see the mind and I would see all of these loops overworking it. And it would be like commercials or, or a certain type of songs, a certain types of things. And it's how I'm like, oh, okay. So I can just detox the same way I do with my body. I can do it with my mind. I just talked cold turkey and it was great. <laughs> <laughs> So how long have you been without a TV? I usually, I mean, every time I lived alone in my life, I never owned one. I have the computer and I love movies and, you know, like yeah. all the other stuff. I mean, like, well, the, the past five months, I haven't had a TV in the house at all. But for the past year, I had it and I just used it for movies. No more TV shows or anything. All good with anybody that can do that. You just got to know you and do what works for you. Well, and see, that's the thing for me is like, I don't watch regular TV at all. I have a TV with an Apple TV box on it and I watch movies or I watch, you know what I love is like HGTV where they go in and they take a crappy old house and fix it up and make it look beautiful. I, I love stuff like that. Oh, but well, that's, that's amazing. It feeds you in, in a nice way. 
but I guess what I'm saying is, I don't, how do I say it? Like, there is this wording around the way uh, commercials are done, which is what I think yeah. is, is, it's a nice, I don't think it's, it's entrainment so much as it is a reflection of where society is. Yes. The whole description of uh, symptoms of disease and they, they like bombard your mind every, yeah. every time in between shows, right? Ask your doctor about. Yeah. I, you um, see, I haven't, well, I haven't watched commercials in probably 15 years. That's wonderful. <laughs> At first when I started with like that, that is not part of TV and where I come from. We oh. have commercials, but not that that stuff. And I laughed because I thought it was it was like like humor joke. TV. <laughs> but then I realized it wasn't, and I'm like, holy shit! How many people is do you know like this mindless TV habit of having the TV on, on all the time, all yeah. the time? What does that? I just I just think like what what is this doing to our minds? Because it's like you're brainwashing yourself. <laughs> yep. And uh, very, very definitely. So you can, that's what I thought. I'm like, I'm going to brain, brainwash myself with what I want to brainwash myself. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, the, here's the thing when I feel like the separation comes from is in, in the English language, it's so easy to attach your identity to things that are not part of who you are. For example, when people talk about how much money they have, they say, I am worth a certain amount of money. Yeah. For example, oh, yeah, I'm, I don't know, I'm a Red Sox fan. That's who I am. Is it really, though? Is it? Is that who you are? You know? And it's like, there. It, I feel like in the English, and it's not a critic, it's just like an observation, because I was like, aha, this, because it happens to you, too. You start learning and it's like, yeah, I guess I'm not a morning person or I guess I am this, I am that. And I'm like, we should not be using the I am in such a mindless way. Right. Because if you are, I, mean, I don't know, I am, I am worth a million dollars. What happens if you lose everything? You're not anymore? That's the thing is that what I feel the, the cultural divide in this country is all around the haves and the have-nots. And that it's, it's around the car you drive, the house you live in, how much money you make, where you go on vacation, what you wear, all of those things. It's like, those are, that's all things. That is not who you are. That is not your heart. That's not your soul. That's not... Those are just outward reflections of. And I, I have to say something to that because, well, I'm 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 weird. I don't think <laughs> we come here and I don't hate Go me ahead. people or hate me whatever. I don't really think we come here to do this this thing in which we become completely out of our bodies and like, oh, this doesn't touch me, and I'm in yeah. such a higher place that everything that's bad in the world happens for a reason. No, bitch. Everything that's bad in the world happens so that you can work through your own stuff and also work with people around you. You any any decision that you take, regarding I'm sorry, I didn't want to say bitch. Regarding <laughs> Okay, you can say bitch, it's all right. Regarding relationships, even if, if you're there's they're like relationships that are close to you or far away, we live in the big earth village. That is what we came here for. So yes. for example, if you believe in astrology or not, it, I think it's a good image to describe uh, our energetic blueprint. I have all my planets up there, 
that means I came here to ground myself. So when I go in deep meditation, my guides don't tell me to sit down and meditate for eight hours and, you know, like be more spiritual. No, they tell me go out, make money, use your body, dance, go and do the things that are allegedly wrong. Because that's the way you, that's something that I have to do, right? Right. We come here to live in this world and coexist and it's hard. It's hard as fuck and it's heavy and it's it, this meat suit, it constricts everything that we are, but we also can feel so much and, and do so many things. I, I feel like the worst thing that we can do is use spirituality or use the yoga mindset to hide from life. And I feel like that's yeah. what a lot of people is doing. Yes, yeah. it's gonna hurt like a motherfucker. Welcome to earth. That's yeah. the way it works. <laughs> when I teach yoga, it really, for me, is I want you to just meet yourself wherever you are on your mat in this moment in time and let go of where you were before and, and just be curious about what your body has to tell you in this moment. And yoga is an incredibly humbling practice if you allow it to be. And I don't teach a lot of real heavy spirituality because I don't believe that that's my place. I open the door, some concepts for them to think about. But if it comes to seeking a deeper spirituality, I feel that every person should go out and do that on their own to explore the options, to educate themselves, because not everybody sees everything the same. Not everybody has the same experience. Not everybody resonates on the same level. And so for this whole thing with gurus and it has to be this and that's not real yoga and, you know, you doing this and blah, the whole thing for me is that that you listen to what your heart has to say and your heart's going to tell you some days it hurts and some days it's going to tell you it's ecstatic and that you need to be able to accept that. You need to be able to find ways to appreciate it and move through it and potentially learn something. Sometimes like me, I have to stay step in the same bucket multiple times before I learn something. We all do. But it's, it's one of those things where, and everybody's on a different path at a different time at a different speed. You know, some of this stuff took me until I was 48 years old to figure out. And that seems really old. <laughs> but you know, there's a lot of people out there that are older than I am that are still struggling with I things. I don't think, I don't know, age is a funny thing. It's, you know what, I look at it as a number, it really has very little to do with I don't, I don't know if it's because my grandma was 102 when she died. But yeah, age is it's a, she learned to color when she was a hundred, like ninety yeah. nine. It was it was fun to watch how she went from child to adult to old person to child again. Yeah, she would always say like it was her attitude, and the only one thing that she she really struggled with aging was the fact that her body didn't follow her mindset. Yeah. She was like, I just want to go out and, and climb on a tree. I want to run. I want to do those things because that's how I feel inside. I didn't, right. that, that impulse didn't change. And by, well, of course, my, my grandma had a different life. She didn't do yoga or any of those things. She had to work <laughs> since she was five. But, um, but it's just like she gave me this outlook on, on age. And I, I feel like my life really started and I really started enjoying myself and like when I turned 30 and it's yeah. like first of all because I thought I was not going to be alive that's for another story but I'm like what am I going to do with this now 
it's like I had my entire life planned until I was 29. And now what am I going to do? Yeah, I have all of this life for me. And it was liberating. I had alcoholism in my life, aggression, violence, rape, a lot of things that that should bring me down. And there are a part of why I, like I develop all of those like systems in order to keep myself in check and to be able to move forward. Well, that's where the internal chatter comes comes in. There was a lot of expectations and a lot of things that I felt like I have to to fulfill. And I feel like that is also because of how women are raised. That went away when I was 30. And that was such a heavy lift, a heavy weight that was gone. I guess that that's when I started feeling more like even more like like I can share whatever because it, it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter. That's not me. That's something that's for somebody else. Or, And what happened to me doesn't necessarily have to, you know, that to become my destiny. But it's a hell of a work, everyday work to realize that because it's not like something that you learn and it's done, you know? It's an, on, it's an ongoing learning process. Exactly. That's why I guess that's why redemption is part of everything. It's like there are things that there are injuries and injuries. There are wounds and wounds. If you cut yourself, you're most likely be able to heal it. It might leave a mark, it might not. And if you take care of it very well, you can even get rid of the mark. Right. But if you lose a leg at work, your leg is not going to grow back. True. We have those emotional wounds. And that's something that I've come to realize in the past year. We have those. And we get better and we get, we feel like we passed this trauma and like, yeah, I'm going to the left. And then something happens that, that triggers you and you're back in square zero and you're like, what the fuck happened? I've been working at this all of these years and all of a sudden this is hitting me again. Well, you're missing a leg, you're missing a limb and then that's not going to go away. So it's like a good balance between understanding there are some things there, there are going to be there and it doesn't matter how much we want to ignore them. We need to make them part of our experience. So it's a, I always say the same thing. It's like I can, some days I'm cursing my destiny because I'm missing that emotional leg. Uh, and some days I'm happy because I only have to buy one shoe. <laughs> <laughs> Today I'm happy. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I had um, a therapist that I worked with at one point in time who talked about the emotional wounds, the spiritual wounds, and even the, the physical wounds in that it's in, like in a physical wound where you, you get, you cut yourself or whatever, and it scabs over. And eventually it heals. Sometimes it can, like you said, it can leave a scar, sometimes not. But sometimes those emotional wounds, we never get past the scab phase and we keep picking at those scabs yeah. and over years and years and years. And she said, you know, you eventually what you need to do with those emotional wounds is get to the point where the scab heals over, there's a scar there and you can look at that and go, oh yeah, that was a part of my life. That has been all thrown into the hopper of who I am, but it doesn't have to define me for the rest of my life. So I thought that was an interesting perspective as looking at as, you know, there can be a scab or there can be a scar and the scar is there to remind you, yeah, it did happen, but it doesn't have to be something that takes over my life for the rest of my life. That is, that is such a nice way to put it. You know, when she said, you're, you're still picking at a scab from 25 <laughs> years ago, I was like, oh shit. That means there's still some work to be done there. And because I didn't I didn't think I still had the scab, I thought I'd move to the scar phase, but evidently that was not the case. So. <laughs> it but, happens. You know, I, 
It, it does happen. And it's interesting to me as we move through like this Me Too movement and women are finding their voices sometimes for the first time in their life to talk about things that have happened to them, how society has handled some of that stuff. There is more strength and power coming through women being able to share their stories that I'm curious to see what happens next about where the next hill or valley is in this story that we're learning as a society. And if you think about it, as the human tribe, we are not created to be alone. We are created to be connected to each other. That is inherent in who we are, in our genetics at the most basic level. And then I look at just how many lonely people there are right now, how many people that are lacking connection with others that are seeking it. They either never were brought up to understand what a true connection is. They've been injured so deeply that they can't get beyond that to figure out how to connect. How do you as a society then look at the fact that there are so many people craving connection that don't have it. And what does that say about our society, about our community, about our ability to be able to communicate with each other? I feel I wasn't always like this happy person. Like if you would have met me at least 10 years ago, you would have thought I was a shit because <laughs> I was, I was cynical, sarcastic. Life was, was nothing. It was just, it was bad. And I, I mean, I, I feel Here's the thing, like, I feel like I was part of that, of that hate train and like, fuck everything. And what's the point on anything? Right. It's a very lonely, scary place. Yes, it is. And it's, it's a vulnerability that you're not choosing. You are vulnerable, but it's not, you're not conscious that you're vulnerable. You think you're the strong person, but you're not. You're open to manipulation. You're open to be used by other people because you can't get past your pain. It might be because I went through it and, and I don't know, I always call myself a spiritual Marine. Like I, I, I just ramp towards whatever it is that I need to work through because I want to get it over with. <laughs> so <laughs> when things, when things takes longer, you know, when I realize like, holy shit, getting over this shit is going to take me years. That's when I get discouraged. And that's when I yeah. reach out to others. But what's the thing? If you have lost, but let, let's bring it back to my experience because I don't want it, this to sound like I'm telling anybody how to live their lives. But what I realized is like, okay, I lost the skills on how to connect to others. How do I, how do, I do it? How do I go back to that? And I realized that we live part of ourselves in everything that we do. So reading books was a huge part of it because you're connecting with the mind of somebody and it's not just the mind it's it was a creative process so it has the love of that person it has the dedication it has a, some sort of intention to it so i was i was craving that condition and i started finding it in in this other creative uh, things and i feel you can learn a lot even even if it's not self-help book not like self-development or however it's it is set now even if it's just fiction or or science that you realize that you're you you actually have access to the mind of somebody a very very intimate part of it for other people it might be music i, I would i would always say like uh, in real life most people says i'm too much to handle <laughs> it's like you're out there but but when i'm on stage we are connected 
when I'm on stage, I make sense. My life makes sense. And I connect to people in a way that is neither invasive nor uh, too far away. It is just perfect. And I, and I, I mean, I feel like, well, I, yeah, okay, maybe that's my purpose or whatever, which I don't think so. Like the, your purpose is something that you live through in every, every part of your life. You, you have to find the connection with yourself first and then venture one little step at a time. But you have to have the will to connect. Uh, yes, that's the piece right there is that I think that there are some people who have lost that will to connect. They just know that they're not connected and it makes them angry or sad or whatever it is. And they've lost that introspection piece about what is it that I need to do to make it so that I can find that will to connect again. They may really want to do it. They don't have the skill set or the draw or the desire. I don't really know what it is, but it's like they're in this, I think of it as the gerbil on the wheel. They're, they're continually yeah. chasing this thing in this circle and it is continuing to go around and around and around and they never get to that place where they can plug in and feel connected. I've been blessed with some great friends throughout my life and some were strong enough as to stand in front of me and stop me in that and that an analogy of the spinning, you know, <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah, or going in circles, like just stop right. me, which, right. which takes a lot of balls, but, <laughs> but some of them have done it. If you look around, you are never alone. Never, 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 never. There's always somebody watching. There's some, always somebody looking at you. Connection is not this wishy-washy thing or this like, preconceived thing in which we are like super friends and we talk about ourselves. No, sometimes connections is what happens in Instagram, which is what I think is the best part about internet. Going back to artistic things, like what I share most of the time in Instagram, it is sort of a, an artistic way to share my story or stuff that I think other people might like or not. But it's a way for you to express yourself. Yeah, I, I actually like this goes against any workshops, but if I feel like sharing something, if I feel uh, called to share something, I just go again, share it. Even if it means that it has, that is something that's very vulnerable to me, that is very, well, one of my videos doing yoga with my puppy, but it's a practice that I've been doing alone for a long time. And part of what makes it so powerful, it was, a, it was a secret. Oh, okay. It was just for me, you know, like those things that not everybody has it, but like for me, having some things that are sacred, that are just for me is important. Yeah. But like that one day I felt like sharing it. And apparently a lot of people resonated with it. That is connection for a second, for, for, for a crazy hot second, somebody feels seen and I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have right. to reach out to nobody. All I did was mind my own business, do me and put it out in the world. A lot of people started like sending me texts that they were actually starting to do the same practice and or how they felt about their emotional scars and, and how they felt about their body and how they felt touched, like that they were in the same place. And so without even knowing it, they are supporting me. They're soothing my heart. They're helping me with my injuries just by saying, I see you. Mm -hmm. That's, I feel like people underestimate the power of seeing each other. Yes. It's, very not, much e so. it's not even about love because yeah, love isn't everything that we do. We, we have to love on people and quote unquote have to, but like you have to develop a deep love practice, but love takes form, take very different forms. Sometimes it's love is 
disguised as discipline, sometimes as disguised of setting boundaries. And sometimes, which I think is the, the most beautiful way, is like being able to see somebody for who they are and uh, allowing them to be just that. To be exactly who they exactly. are. Exactly. Not yeah. no judgment, no anything. Although we always judge things, which is like it's it's normal, it's part of our thought process, but not trying to bring them down or anything, but just observing and saying, I see you. I know you're there. I know you're alive. I know you're part of this world. I feel there's so much power in that and it's such a strong connection. A lot of other girls like have done that for me, like uh Carissa, the giving mom. Uh, Christina Sutra, Synergy Soul. Those all these are my like go-to girls on Instagram. Mm -hmm. They share their life, their mind, and their own business. And all of a sudden, one day they they talk about something or they post something that it not only resonates with me, but I feel seen. Yeah, Brittany just Synergy Soul. Just I just dropped her um, episode, her interview on ah! my podcast. <laughs> girl. This is a part of the reason why. I created this whole space and how the podcast came to be was that I wanted to provide a space for, for women to be able to share their stories, all of their story, the, you know, the good stuff, the happy stuff, the bad stuff, to be able to be seen, to be able to be recognized, to be able to feel heard. It's one of the things where I feel like at one point in time, I, I tried to look at it as more of a, I was courting more of a middle-aged sort of a, um, a an age group, but I think it can, I kind of eventually threw that out from the standpoint that you can be at any age and not realize that the story that you, the stories that make up your life are important stories to share. Because even though it may seem like it's mundane to you or nobody's asked you about it or nobody's shown any interest in it, you sharing your story could help one other person hear something, see something, light something up for them that, that has never happened before and change their life. You know, I feel what you, what you say is so important because I, I, I really feel sad that there is this separation with ages. Yeah. Like I, my, my childhood, like the best memories I have was playing with my, my little sister and my super old grandma and her, and her sister and just playing and going through life and doing stuff and, and engaging in conversation like pairs, but also like somebody, I would always say like when you're older, it's like you become taller. So when you have somebody younger next to you that's like, I'm going to be able to just like move this thing. And because you're taller, you see that there's a, a mountain behind that thing and he's never going to do it. So <laughs> you can, you can actually help out or not, yes. but, but your wisdom, your input is vital for that little youngster next to you. Yes. Or at least to understand why he's not being able to do it. Now, no, not discourage them from trying, but like at least understand what's going on behind it. Um, women, any other group, I feel like they crave that connection. Yes. I, I feel like although my, my, my upbringing wasn't perfect, I did have some of the most valuable things, lessons of life, because I was constantly surrounded by women of different ages. My mom had me, a beauty shop too. too. <laughs> so oh. like women all over and laughing. Yes. Sharing about life. It's such a it's such a beautiful thing. 
Because like when somebody that's in the middle, for example, comes and shares a story and then you have the youngsters saying one thing and then the elders saying something else, that's tribe. That's yes. what life is supposed to be. That somebody brings the children and then all the women in, in, the, in the salon are taking care of that kid. At least that's, right. that's the way it was <laughs> for us because, we, because my mama uh, provided that space, right? There is... Of course, there are bad things because I feel like through through the ages, women have been taught to fight each other because yep. if you didn't have the man, then you couldn't get out of your house and you, you couldn't support yourself and you, you, you were doomed. But I think like little by little, more of them are just breaking that entrainment and finding the joy of like, oh my gosh, we were never meant to be competition. We were always meant to be community. Exactly. And, yeah, that, and, and that, I feel and, like it's such it's vital because it is women. Women are the ones. Oh man, well, don't hate me, man. But women are the one that create society. Yes, we are the light bringers. We're the teachers. When you look at male energy, it's heavy. It's slow. It's harder. I mean, because men were brought here to do, as Brittany said in her interview, they were he brought here to do a different function than women. And women have always been about creating the community, about building the connection, about teaching, about bringing all of those things forward. And just what you were talking about with your mom in her, her beauty salon, I grew up in a neighborhood that was my great-grandparents' farm. I had aunts and uncles and cousins that lived all on the same street. We got together with both sides of the family every yeah. year for holidays. I moved in with my parents when I was still pregnant and divorcing my ex-husband because that was, you know, that was the the space I knew I needed to be. And we lived with my parents for eight years and my daughter was raised with this whole family connection. Yeah. So I just, I feel like that there are times in society where we have lost that deeper familial connection, that deeper sense. And, and my parents had like no money. They were both raised very, with very little money. And when they got married, they didn't have a lot of money, but they did, did tremendous things in the community. It was always about giving back. It didn't matter how much money you had, you still took care of the other people in your community. And I feel like we've sort of lost that sense of connection for whole segments of the population. There are people out there that do it and do it well, but I, I feel that we've lost that reverence for the, the older wisdom of the people that are are the older generations about holding them sacred holding their wisdom sacred it's so interesting when i see people oh the millennials this oh the the baby boomers that oh the it's like really do we have to do that <laughs> because we're we're all here everybody makes mistakes we're not our mistakes but it's it's that connection of the bigger whole that that thing outside of yourself mm -hmm. helps you build that that sense of community and and not I, and that's one of the taglines for my website is community over competition is about bringing people together about 
I built this table. I'd like as many women to show up as possible to share their stories. And eventually I would like to get some men to share the stories about the women in their lives. That would lives. be great. Like, I, there's just one thing I would like to say. I don't believe in set. How do you say it? Like, I don't think that female energy is supposed to be this and men were brought in here to do that. I don't believe in that. I do not. I, I believe that everybody's capable of nurturing and I do believe in female and male energy. I feel right. like male energy would be like the axis and female energy would be the vortex around it. I truly believe that it's not good to have to the pendulum swing too far in either direction. I mean, we've been in this masculine side of the pendulum for and centuries. And I've been like pretty obvious for anybody that knows me, but um, I have this tendency of leaning towards my mostly male energy. And if yeah, you look at my yeah. chart, most of my planets are like Mars and all of this violent word type of things. I do have some Venus in it. And it, like my job is to like always try and strive for balance. But men are capable of building community. There are wonderful men out there. It's just, I yes, don't think there it's are. A, ma a matter of gender as it is so much a matter of energies. And like yeah. when both of, I, I believe in sacred masculinity too. And where I think the most important thing, what I feel that comes down to is do your own inner work because when yes. you when you see yourself for who you are when you allow your when you look at yourself in the mirror and you can look at yourself and in a maybe a judgmental way but without allowing it to destroy you and you start seeing your marks and you start seeing how your body changed and and all of these things and you start not only accepting it but then start loving it because like Every mark brings a memory. Every memory brings sometimes trauma, but it also brings a lot of lessons behind it. Yes. When you start doing that, it's impossible not to develop compassion. And when well, you're compassionate toward true. yourself, that bleeds into everything else. And that's when you start being that person that doesn't react so much, that let other people talk. And when they're being hateful towards you, you feel this love and appreciation and not sorry, but compassion. You're like, yeah. you're not there yet. And it's okay that you're not there yet. Because that well, is not all that you are. You are all these other things too. It's just, this is not good for me in this moment, right? But <laughs> Well, and I also look at things like how males and females are socialized into society. It's that whole thing of there's studies out there right now that talk about that male children after about three years old are not given the same messages that girls are. They aren't hugged as much. They, they're told, you know, don't cry, you know, be a big boy, all of these things. And so we've really sort of done a disservice as a society to men to be able to cultivate the compassion, the nurturing, all of those things that they may have within them that they then pull back inside of themselves because they've been normalized. Well, I won't say normalized, that's not, but they've been subjected to this whole stream of information that tells them that those are the wrong things for them to release out into the world, which is, you know, I think just horrible. And I just think that there are so many people out there who don't understand what it means to do the self-reflection, the self-work it's either because it's hard, like you said, it's hard. It and sucks. It's, and it's, sometimes. it's not it's not for everybody. It's, it's really, not what I feel like maybe I don't know, maybe I sound weird. Well, maybe. 
it's not not everybody has to do everything not everybody Correct. is on the same stage not a, we shouldn't be concerned right. about what the other person's stage of, of development is when it comes to personal growth right we should be con not concerned but occupied doing our our own work all the time like when we start over concerning ourselves with oh my gosh the state of the world the society is like i am the society i am this part of society what right. am i gonna do about it right men at least the way the way i see it and how i experienced it men are some of the most emotional creatures i've ever met and just thinking about kindergarten, like who who is the one like like throwing a fit and like tantrums and crying <laughs> over everything? Who's always the boys? And I like, and I believe it's because as girls, we we since such a young age, we have this capacity for emotion, and for them might be, I mean, it's a, it's just a different way of experiencing yes. life. I, I feel well, like if, if we as women, creatures. yeah, if we have women uh allow them to be emotional just allow yes. it, i mean like i feel like the best you can do to to help somebody else if that's what you want to do with their growth is to hold sacred space for whatever it is that needs to come out you don't yeah. need to tell them what to do you don't nope, need to, you don't need nothing. to do the work all yeah. you need to do is hold a, a space in which you are protected if you need to because some people is toxic but those people need somebody too and if you think you're in that place in which it's not going to hurt you and you can do it and hold the space you go and do it some people is not toxic some people is just on a bat in a bat rut or some people is just desperately trying to open their hearts and they don't know how to do it especially men yeah yeah yeah. Well, I mean, and, and that's where they get all those societal messages. They really want to do it. Like you said, they don't know how. They've never been shown the way. They've Just like never... we women have, have never been shown a lot of things, but we yep. did it anyways. Yeah. So that, that's when it comes to the situations in everybody's lives and the conditionings and all that. It is a thing. It is a fact. And it's understandable that you are the way you are, but it's not justifiable. Correct. It is not. Because at some point... You go out in the world and you realize that your actions are hurting other people, right? Yeah. You realize that the way you are, especially when it comes down to men, and I don't care if if your mama taught you that, you know, like that raping was good or that your wife was supposed to be this or that way. If the person that you're with is being hurt by your actions, you need to stop. Yes. No means no. <laughs> and all of this basic stuff that... Sometimes we don't want to see it, but like we as girl may have contributed to a lot of these things. And it, for me and my personal experience, it came down to the same thing. I was not doing the inner work. I was just running on my, my old paradigm, not realizing that I was adding to the problem by not right. standing up for myself, by not speaking up, by being a good girl, a nice girl and trying to yeah. fit in. Yeah, yep. Been there, <laughs> done that. In the, we, we all go through that. I mean, I'm hoping that the new generations come crazy right out of the womb. But <laughs> look at my daughter who had such higher emotional intelligence that I did at such a younger age. And I, I like to think of it from the standpoint that I, I realized enough after I had her that I wanted to make sure that she had that emotional intelligence that I didn't realize how important it was when I was younger. And then, you know, now we have 
my granddaughter who turns two here pretty soon. And that girl is just a firestorm. She (laughs) is, and she's got this, this great personality. She is curious. She's so she's whip smart, this little girl. It frightens me sometimes how smart she is. But it's it's interesting. She's being raised very similarly to how my daughter was. She's got my son-in-law's side of the family who's involved, our side of the family who's involved. She doesn't go to daycare. She's taken care of every day by somebody who loves her in her family. It's just very interesting. And my son-in-law is one of the best daddies that I have ever seen. And my daughter's nickname was Lovey, was one of her nicknames. And so I call the baby Littlest Lovey and I call my son-in-law Daddy Lovey. So (laughs) they, they just are this really great little family unit that realizes the importance of extended family. And I think yeah. that that things like that are the ones that create those kids that come out of the box going, you know, I have confidence. I have the ability to speak my mind. I've had support. I've had all of these things. And they hit the ground running much faster than... Yeah. Than, I mean, than other people. I, I, I like to approach the overall growth of life, just of society, just the same way I do mine. In the past, I've taken shitty decisions. That should be the, the title of my autobiography, always choosing like shit. But like, <laughs> <laughs> I, made, I made so many mistakes and I just believing it was the right thing to do. I did the best I could with what I knew at the time. There you go. That's and it. That's, as a and that's, society, we have done the same thing. So what's the point of just beating ourselves up? Look back just to, you know, analyze everything and see what can we change. Well, maybe, you know, like maybe objectifying women is bad. So let's change it. And it's going to take a process. But I don't I don't I don't think that is there's any good in just beating the older generations no because they have great too there is greatness in them too and but what i love about what you said is apparently like uh your son-in-law has this this um support net in which he can be that loving father absolutely back, back in the day if you were like too caring with your with your children it was like it was not manly well his his dad is like that and he's got two older sisters. And so I look at that and I look at who he is and he's very similar to his father. His father is a very caring, compassionate, empathetic person. And that shows in my son-in-law that that's, uh, you can truly see that he grew up with that emotional intelligence, that ability to, to be able to have compassion. And, you know, he, he's so cute because I'll he'll come home and he'll say, so what did you guys do today? He always asks about what we do because I, I babysit her a um, couple days a week. And, you know, what did you guys do today? And because we always go on adventures together and I'll tell him and or I'll show him a video that I made. And he's like, oh, that's so cute. And it's just like, I just love that he is like that that he that that's the kind of father he is because it's only going to benefit her so much more um, yeah in the absolutely long run. and yeah. like it sets the standard for what you're looking man you look for in men correct whether i feel like we all need to go through those things in which we study about a little bit psychology <laughs> a little bit about like attachment bonds the psychology behind that 
a lot of people right. that think that they're broken, if they if they only knew that the things that they're going through are just normal to people that went through what they went through and that they can actually, you know, take massive action and change it. And and that reality is like the one that your daughter, their, um, your grandchild is having are possible. Yeah. That they are real. There's not just a, some Hallmark movie. Like people, <laughs> people is happy. People is capable of being happy. And it's, I think it's a, const, a, a conscious choice. Um, I, I agree with you. Yeah. But like, of course, that if you have a loving uh, set of parents, since you grow up, you, you're set uh, for success, unless you screw it up at some point, which can happen. But well, certainly, certainly. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, it's very interesting to kind of see those sorts of things. And I've made a lot of fucked up choices in my life. I made a lot of really poor decisions around men in my life. I've made a <laughs> lot of, and, you know, and I look back and I think, like you said, you, you make the best choice with the information that you have at the time. And when you know better, you do better. You know, and, I have to say this, the best thing that ever happened to me in my life, like journey, were the men in my life, whether we're the the loving, patient men, or uh, the destructive, toxic ones. They all taught me so much and allowed me to grow in ways that I that I couldn't even imagine. I I, I would hate to I would hate to say that my relationships were uh, poor decisions. Um, I feel like the way I went about a lot of things were poor decisions. I feel like the people we choose, we choose from a soul level. We're never wrong. Oh, interesting. That's I, an interesting. I feel, I feel like we're never wrong. We, we choose what we need in the moment, uh, which is what we, um, we need to learn. I've seen like a lot of, a lot of, as I saw always like looking back, but I, I see how a lot of this, weaknesses were reflected back to me with some of the worst relationships that I had. And I'm not, and I'm not saying I'm responsible for abuse. No, no, no. What I'm saying is those relationships allowed me to see that I wasn't confident as I thought that I wasn't mind strong as I thought that I wasn't a lot of things that, you know, my emotions were not in check, that were not balanced, like me, even smaller things. And also with the other way, like the, the loving ones, like they show me I was not open to be loved, that I was so numb, I wasn't capable of receiving love. And that's a tough mm. one. Yeah. You know, yeah. I had I had a, an ex-boyfriend, which I'm always, I'm, I'm always going to hold him in my heart. And he's always going to, I'm always going to be so grateful for him because a Capricorn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm an Aries, if nobody noticed, hello. Um <laughs> He when when we actually passed that year and a half, boy was I tough. That year and a half barrier in which like we could actually be emotionally connected to each other. He would laugh and he would call me puppy because I love animals and I love dogs. But also because he said that when he met me, I was like a pitbull, like a pitbull, rescue pitbull, rescue from fights. Mm. And he said that for the longest time, all that he could do was kept me chained to a tree and throw cold buckets of water at me <laughs> until I would stop trying to bite him and accept to be caressed. And I, I would wow. just laugh my ass off because like, that's actually something that, that really happened to somebody. Like they actually adopted a pit bull and that's, that was the only way that they tamed the animal. 
And I was like, oh my God, he is right. When you're when you're so beaten up that that you don't know when a gesture is this is this a caress or is this or is this a hit? Right. I was I was at that point. I mean, I'm sure not everybody is, but if somebody out there is at that point, uh, it happens. You don't have to go to actual work to have those things happen to you. I, I was in that emotional state in which I couldn't differentiate between a love gesture and um, and a violent or hate, hatred gesture, gesture. So it took this brave man <laughs> to to just guide me again to my natural taste uh, state, which is happy and joyful and chaotic and creative, but it, it is not a state in which I cannot decide if what somebody's doing is me is bad or good for me. Right. Which is where I was. That relationship eventually didn't work out. I kept on evolving and he, he stayed there. He was a fixed type of energy, which was very loving and, and sweet, but things like that. No, it didn't work forever. Uh, he was not my type. I I certainly didn't want to be with him, apparently, for what he said. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to bite him. Uh, but I feel like that's what, what we talk about when we say we crave the connection, but we're so numb and so yeah. beaten up. We don't even know how to do it. And when people get close to us, we panic. Right. We panic. It's like, what is this? What is happening? What am I feeling? That is closeness, sweetheart. That is human yep. connection, but I'm not sure I like it. You will. I <laughs> promise you will. You know, it's like this, this conversation in your mind. But it's like, now I'm a different person. Like I met him when I was like in my, in my teen, well now like twenties. But it, I mean, if you look back, maybe it was a bad decision to, to be with him at some, I, I don't know. Cause like it was detrimental in other situations and other things of my life. But I took so much with me. I could never see a failed quote unquote relationship as a failed relationship or as a bad decision. If if I look back and I feel like this relationship was a mistake, it's a strong indicative that I I'm still I still need to work through it and understand what was I supposed to learn. Because otherwise I'm doomed to repeat it. And some of them, fuck no, that's not gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I agree with you totally. Yeah. I could go on talking to you all day. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I curse so much. <laughs> oh, don't worry about it. You're speaking to a fellow, fellow cursor. I you know because again, it goes back to they're just words. And I, you know, my favorite F word is fuck. <laughs> and it was so funny. I, I took um, a workshop from Amy Apolity. She's a yoga instructor. And she's, you know, this little tiny sprite of a woman. And she just cracked me up the whole time. And she talked about using swear words. And she said, I was talking with my dad and I said something. And I can't remember what she said. And she said, my dad looked at me and he says, Amy, they're just words. <laughs> right? So they are just words. And I feel that sometimes, you know, shucks or darn really doesn't work to explain really express all of the emotions I'm feeling and damn and shit really does. <laughs> like, you have to be a fire sign. Come on. No, I'm a Gemini. Oh, air. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Whoa. What a bad combination we can be. <laughs> well, and my daughter is an Aries. 
Yeah, we we've been buttonheads for we do we do pretty good now, but we we've butted heads over the years. But oh, um, but that's that's nice. I had a yeah. Mary's mom. It was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> but we have so a good relationship now. <laughs> <laughs> so tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, I'm on Instagram. That's where I'm mainly focusing my energy now. Is at Natalia. I'm sorry. Yeah, at Natalia. Soul. Yoga music is out there in Spotify for everybody as the Giving Soul. Okay, that's that's my side project. And and then everything else you can find through my Instagram. Great. I just want to make sure everybody knew where to found you. I'll put it in the show notes so that everyone can find you as well. But uh, I always like to make sure that you can tell everyone how to find you. Thank you so much, Natalia, for taking the time to be here with me today and sharing all of your wisdom and your stories. And we'll get back together and and have another interview talking about all the things that we didn't get a chance to talk about. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. That's it for this episode this week. Thank you again for joining me. Just wanted to give you a little heads up. I'm working on a new sort of format that we will be featuring once a month called Topic Talks. And it will be me and multiple guests having conversations about specific topics and our own personal experiences in our life. Next Friday, the 21st, will be the first one. Joining me will be Jenna and Bentley, and we will be talking about the topic of shame. So please join us. And if you should happen to have a topic that you would like to hear me talk about, shoot me a message to titaniumblonde1 at gmail.com. You can click the link in the show notes if you'd like to. And if you're interested in being a guest, send me then an email and let me know that as well. I would love to have a conversation with you about getting you on as a guest on my podcast. Thanks again. I'll be in your ears next week.